Well, Arsen Ostrovsky is with us live via telephone. He is somebody that has a very, very difficult job. He is an international human rights lawyer and executive director of the Israeli Jewish Congress, an Israel-based NGO serving as a bridge between Jewish communities in Europe and Israeli leaders and officials while supporting the Jewish state around the world in the fight against anti-Semitism, BDS, and delegitimization. Arson has testified and spoken in support of Israel before the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva, UN in New York, the European Parliament, the Knesset, and many high-level forums in Europe and the United States. He's considered an expert on anti-Semitism and BDS, as well as international law and Middle East foreign policy. Has been published by major publications around the world and is a frequent commentator on TV and radio. He's also lectured widely on Israel and the Middle East. Arsen Ostrovsky, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me. You know, you said I've got a difficult job. That's true, but it's uh, it's a very fulfilling one as well, I should say. You know, it's funny. I had a couple of thoughts as I was reading about you, and um, and the first was I hope and pray, although I'm probably wrong, and it's probably fruitless to, to hope this way, I hope and pray that you never have Jews on the other side of your debates and discussions. But but I guess that would be unrealistic, right? Uh Two Jews and how many opinions? <laughs> um, you should know that by now. Um, no, look, I have, uh, you know, I, <laughs> the Jews are by their very definition we're an argumentative people. Um, but I think that's important because it also forces us to oh, I, think I, and I, talk. Oh, I, I get but, that. Um, I, I get that. But I, have, but, I, but, I, but I mean even further. I mean, God forbid that there should be people on the other side when you are fighting BDS, and God forbid those who are promoting the BDS movement, God forbid, should be from our people. That's what I mean. The, look, the fact of the matter is, the reality today, you're right, there are. Yeah. Uh, there are people from, purportedly from, you know, from outside. Um, Jews, uh, those who claim to be pro-Israel, for example, that uh, do support uh, the BDS, that uh, do promote um, attacks on the, or delegitimization against the State of Israel, and we have to deal with that. In many ways, like we deal with anyone, uh, we have to deal with it on the facts, and we have to uh, call them out for it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there there are questions that people ask all the time, and they're difficult to answer. Um, so, I don't know if I can if I can expect a a a a comprehensive answer from you. And you may be as baffled as as we are. But why do you think we, or I should say, the state of Israel? is held to a completely different standard at places like the UN and in other you know uh, seats of government that you've spoken in than any other country. Yeah, look, I think we only need to have a look at just what happened yesterday. Um, we saw, uh, you know, the UN, which has in many ways become, you know, this theater of, uh, of absurd. Uh, we saw yesterday, you know, a resolution passed, 120 nations voted in favor of it, I think eight voted against the U.S., Australia being two of them, which made me especially proud as an Australian who, who moved to Israel. Right. Um, and about 40-something nations abstained. Uh, you know, it was a blatantly uh, one-sided resolution. Anyone could uh, could see that. But nonetheless, uh, countries either abstained or voted in favor of it. And that is disappointing. And it's, uh, you know, I think for many, it's an easy option. Um, it's an easy way out. Um, some uh, maybe are afraid of uh, the consequences. Um, we, um, you know, some might be uh, thinking it's a politically expedient uh, option to, um, you know, to 
carry them favor with uh, with other possible allies in the region um, or they think that it's you know if you're looking at it from a campus perspective today university it's a popular thing and it's been this um, I think in many ways the sort of this Dave and Goliath battle that's been twisted and turned um, upside, upside down where the established narrative today and I think incorrectly so is that the Palestinians are the, the victims and the Israelis are the aggressors and um, therefore Israel needs to be held to a separate standard and I think that's disappointing but that being said I think it's uh, incumbent upon us and anyone for that matter that uh, Cares not only about Israel but about peace to um, to be there and to be able to um, you know to correct the misconceptions, the lies. Um, but also, I think, and this is where it's really important, and possibly in many ways, why you know maybe why we dropped the ball in some ways uh, that we allowed our detractors to establish the narrative, and they established their narrative of what the Palestinians want for them what Israel means, for them that Zionism is racism and so on. Right. And for a long time, we were absent from that conversation. Yeah, because we never believed or, we never believed the conversation could become that absurd. We weren't prepared for it. Correct, and it has. And right. we are now playing catch-up. And when today, you know, when, um, you know, when I think Michael Oren actually said this, the former ambassador to the United States, um, when he said, you know, we're asking people to be champions of Israel, but what are they championing? And I think that's something really critical point that we need to focus on that, you know, what is the narrative of Israel? It's, uh, you know, it's not necessarily just related to the, the, the conflict. It's, uh, you know, it's so much more than that. It's culture, it's religion, it's history. It's, uh, there's so many different things that uh, connect people to, uh, to the Jewish state. And so I think we really need to do a much better job in terms of uh, pushing this narrative so people also... Um, not just from the Jewish community, but outside, um, you know, that they are able to form a, uh, a connection to Israel and understand what we're facing and what we stand for. And through that, um, why, you know, supporting Israel is not just uh, in their interest, but it's in everyone's interest. Harsen Ostrovsky with us live via telephone, international human rights lawyer and executive director of the Israeli Jewish Congress. He is receiving the Bonet Zion Prize. Nefesh Benefesh has these distinguished and incredible recipients of the 2018 Sylvan Adams Nefesh Benefesh Bonet Zion Prizes, and he receives this year's 2018 in the field of Israel advocacy, a phenomenal choice by Nefesh Benefesh. We'll talk more about that a little later on, but on your earlier point, you know, the default is always anti-Semitism. The default is always, if they're doing something in a public forum, condemning Israel for whatever it is, whether it's what's happening in Gaza, whether it's what's happening, uh, no matter what the topic, our default is always anti-Semitism. I think I think the point you made about political expediency and the um, advantages that some countries, some leaders have when they go ahead and um, and and come out against Israel is sometimes overlooked. It's not it's not always uh, blanket anti-Semitism. Some is just a smart thing politically for a country or a leader to do. Uh, look, you're right. I mean, it's not all uh, look. It's not always anti-Semitism, and something we have to be very, very mindful of. Uh, but you know, when there is this incessant obsession against Israel, when we see Israel being singled out, when we see double standards being applied to the Jewish state that are not being applied to uh, to any other state for that matter, then naturally one can't help but ask uh, those questions. Um, but you know, even in the wake of yesterday's uh, vote, for example, you know, I had a numerous conversations with a number of uh, ambassadors, for example, and other people uh, in the diplomatic circles, and they truly said, you know, that they either 
they voted the way they did because they truly believe that uh, that it um, progresses or advances the two-state solution or peace. When uh, you know that's their political interpretation, um, whereas you know I think any reasonable objective reading of uh, not just the resolution that passed, uh, but you know it's very clearly you know I think uh, the situation is uh, something to the contrary. That you know not only does it reward Hamas, but it uh, denies our right to self-defence. Now that's not necessarily anti-Semitic for someone to vote for that resolution, but it certainly I don't think is. Uh, is helpful uh, for those that do um, wish for there to be uh, peace in the, in the region. Yeah. Um, is it, it You moved to Israel six years ago, and again, as I said, we'll talk about Nefesh Benefesh in a moment, but is it easier to do your job in Israel, outside of Israel, the way you were doing it in Australia, or is it irrelevant where you are? Um, look, there's pros and cons wherever you are. Um, it, uh, you know, there are difficulties of doing the job from here, but at the end of the day, um, I wanted to do what I'm doing as an Israeli, right. quite simply. Um, you know, I, you know, I've worked, I've, you know, I've lived in the diaspora. I've worked uh, as an Israel advocate in the diaspora in Australia, in uh, in uh, in America before moving to Israel, and there's. A, the diaspora plays a crucial, crucial role. Um, you know, I firmly believe that Israel is the Jewish state. And from my point of view, you need a strong diaspora for a strong Israel, but you also need a strong Israel to have a strong diaspora as well. Uh, but for me personally, it was a decision that, um, and again, you know, I uh, fully recognize it's different for everyone. It's something very inherently personal. But for me, it was a choice of, you know, I could either watch from the outside or I could be here, or I could do this as an Israeli. Um, I could either, you know, watch history unfold, or I could, you know, as a bystander, or I could be part of the change. You know, I could vote. Um, I could participate in all aspects of domestic politics. Um, so for me, it was a very inherently personal decision in that way. But I do believe, you know, there are difficulties and challenges whether you're advocating for Israel uh, from Israel or from the diaspora, but I think both play a very crucial role in their respective ways. Arsene Ostrovsky is with us. If you if you agree, as uh, we continue to state, that Nefesh Benefesh is the uh, preeminent uh, organization and outfit when it comes to Aliyah at this point in 2018 and has been for quite a while, then it must be uh, heartwarming to be recognized by them with their Bonetzion Award in the area of Israel advocacy. Um, oh, absolutely! Look, it was actually it's quite surreal um, when I, um, you know, when when they called me, it was a uh, it was actually it was around Purim time. So I actually thought it was a Purim spiel for a second. <laughs> That's great. Uh, um, I, uh, that, that, then I got the the email, and I'm like, okay, well that looks uh, that looks official. Uh, so I think I think it's I think it's kosher now. It's okay. Um, no, look, it's it is still surreal. I mean, first of all, I'm incredibly indebted to Nefesh Benefesh, uh, not just for this award, but for everything that they do uh, in promoting Aliyah. Um, but you know, they're uh, you know, look, the last award that I received, I think it was a under 14s uh, cricket match in, in school. Um, you did that, you that, did that, well, that, huh? That, <laughs> I, did, I did well. It's, it's a big uh, it's a big plus. So it's, it's been a few years uh, since, but um, no, look. It's it's surreal because I uh, I never expected to get an award for doing something that's quite simply the right thing to do. Mm. You know, I'm a Jew, I'm a Zionist, and for me to uh, support, to advocate for Israel, it's just the most natural thing in the world. So to receive a, a prize for it was uh, certainly not something that I expected. 
Um, but to receive a prize, you know, read, you know, you know, this incredibly, you know, there's some of the other recipients across different categories, you know, some of whom I know and some of whom I admire so tremendously is incredible honor. And especially, you know, when it, I think it really hit me, especially um, in the year that we're celebrating 70 years of the modern state of Israel's independence. So right. to receive such an award at this particular juncture in history and time was, uh, you know, an incredibly tremendous honor and um, very indebted to Nefesh, Benefesh again, not just for everything that they that they do to promote Aliyah, but, you know, having lived now in Israel for a number of years, since 2012, you know, for me, the, the biggest thing that differentiates them, and I should say, by the way, that I would, I wouldn't have been here were it not for their efforts uh, beforehand. But what differentiates them for me is the fact that they're still here with me after I made Aliyah. Right. And that's the big difference. In what, city, in what city do you live? I live in Tel Aviv. Hmm. I live in Tel Aviv, but I make a point of it. Uh, you, know, this is, you know, it's a small country we have here. It's a very small country. You can, uh, you know, have 45-minute uh car ride, you can be in Jerusalem. In 45 minutes, New York by subway, you might maybe make it from Midtown to uh, <laughs> to Brooklyn if, if you're lucky. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I live in Tel Aviv, but I certainly make sure to explore and see this really quite incredible land, and it's really quite a, quite a privilege. Arsene Ostrovsky is with us, international human rights lawyer, executive director of the Israeli Jewish Congress, recognized by uh, Nefesh Benefesh, Bonate Sion 2018, uh, awardee in the area of uh, Israel advocacy. So when you hear the news yesterday that Johannesburg's health minister was suspended after declaring that Johannesburg is a, quote, friend of Israel, do you toss yourself into the social media fray and get involved in in supporting that minister and combating you know things that are being said, or this is not exactly your area of expertise? Um, no, actually, in this case, I did, um, and I have colleagues in South Africa who actually called out for help. Um, they said, "Look, we we need help uh, online as well, not just in in person um, there, but on the ground, but also online, because so much, you know we're fighting this on." We're fighting the battle for Israel across so many different battlegrounds. We have our soldiers on the ground in Gaza. We have our diplomats at the UN. We have our lawyers at the international courts. You name it. But we're also fighting a battle of narratives online. And it's really, you know, on, on the one hand, it's an opportunity to, you know, for us to put out our message. What is Israel? Um, what, you know, but, but on the other hand, you know, you see some of the most heinous attacks on the Jewish state and the Jewish people, uh, which, you know, really force us to respond. But it's, you know, in many ways, we also have to be smart, not just loud. And, um, you know, when it comes to digital diplomacy, I think it's something also that, uh, you know, many many people ask me, you know, I want to, you know, regular people, they say, look, you know, I want to I want to support Israel. I want to advocate for Israel. But, you know, not everyone can go to their elected officials and lobby. Not everyone can necessarily write an article in an op-ed. But anyone, anyone can be active online. Anyone can post something on their Facebook or their Twitter or their Instagram or YouTube or whatever the social media channel they're using. So it's, I think it's really today, uh, especially amongst younger people, um, really quite crucial. It's in a, really quite a vital platform for us, not just to dispel the mistruths, the lies, the, the attacks, but also really for us to reach out to billions of people around the world, 
South Africa, Europe, North America, Asia, elsewhere, um, and also as a way for us to engage them, uh, which is something that uh, we really need to be doing much more. And uh, doing that online is, I think, uh, an incredible platform that opens us to people we never would have had an opportunity to otherwise. I mentioned earlier that uh, you have the opportunity to uh, fight for Israel, anti-BDS, anti, against anti-Semitism, etc., in uh, houses of government, in, um, in houses of justice around the world, etc., um, I'm sure you're well aware what's going on on the uh, on the United States college campus scene. Um, what would you say to people? There are people who are who are students themselves. Many people in this audience who are parents of students who are in very sensitive situations, attending colleges uh, all across this country, and and on a daily basis, maybe a little less often than that, confronting these types of issues. What would you say to them? Um, look, uh, it's tough. It really is tough, um, and it's it's not easy. And I think uh, it has a lot, a lot of implications in long term because it's forcing a lot of uh, otherwise proudly Jewish students um, to um, hide their Jewishness, uh, certainly hide their Zionism or their the support for Israel, because you know they say, well. You know, either one, why do I need the trouble? Why do I need the to wear my heart on my sleeve for everyone to know when they can only cause uh, grievances and troubles and arguments or when I will be attacked? So it's easier for them to just step back. And I think that has a lot of implications long-term in terms of, uh, you know, connection to, uh, to, the, to Israel, especially with the younger generation as they uh, grow up and go through uh, colleges and campuses. So it's, it's definitely not easy, but it's a battle we need to fight, and I think the best way to do that is through education. And it's not only, uh, not only learning about Israel, not only learning about Jewish identity and, and history, but it's also... Um, that's that's very one very important part of it, but it, we also need to learn how to convey um, these messages because it's one thing knowing the facts that's that's wonderful and we need that, but then we also have to know how to convey that. How do you engage someone on campus who, whether willfully or whether ignorantly, uh, supports the BDS? Um, how do you engage them? You know, you know the facts, but then what do you do? Um, we need to give them support. They need to know that the mainstream Jewish community is behind them, in which case many of them are. Um, but we certainly need to do more, and I, I know that the State of Israel also shares a very important burden in that. And uh, I think just yesterday, um, Naftali Bennett, who's the Minister of Diaspora and Education, made some important remarks to that effect. And I think Israel can do a lot in that sense as well to uh, support them through education, through through programs that um, um, that bring uh, students to Israel. And, you know, on that, I have to say, you know, I was a product of uh, Birthright and Massah. Wow. And uh, I, my first my first time to Israel was in 2013 on Birthright. Huh. Uh, sorry, 2003, sorry. And, you know, for many years, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go when it's quiet. I'm going to go when it's peaceful and safe. Uh, I got to a point where I said, enough is enough. I'm not going to wait. So, of course, I went in the peak of the second intifada. <laughs> um, uh, much to the... <laughs> To the joy of uh, my parents, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Um, but you know what? That was my first experience, and that was for me a taste. And that was 2003. You know, after that, I, you know, finished my, you know, university, and like every good, you know, Jewish child, I went to law school and right. and practiced, but ma- maintained my, um, you know, throughout my connection to Israel and um, advocacy efforts, but. 
you know, it got to a point where I also said, you know what, maybe I do want to make Aliyah. So I, to cut a very long story short, I went on a long-term Asar program. So for me, programs like these, especially for someone like from Australia who's so far away from Israel uh, physically, uh, not uh, conceptually, but physically, um, to be there in person, you know, definitely for me reaffirmed that certainly Aliyah was for me. Now, it's not necessarily for everyone, but even for those that do not make Aliyah, they become more connected to their Jewish identity, more connected to the state of Israel, stronger prouder Zionists. So I think uh, with all my respect that uh, programs like these that bring uh, young people here, whether high school or college students, are truly the best investments we can make in the future, both for Israel and the diaspora. Amazing. want to wish you a mazal tov. You are a recipient of the 2018 Bonetzian Award given by Nefesh Benefesh, yours in the area of Israel advocacy, an unbelievable choice. Arsen Ostrovsky, mazal tov to you, and thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. More coming up. It's a Thursday at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Mm-hmm.